You're listening to the Glenn Barrett Leadership Podcast. We know this will be an incredible resource for your life, so stay focused, listen up, and thanks for joining us. Leadership, the art of winging it, or if you like, making it up as you go along. Now, if you're part of Audacious Church, I'm really sorry to bust a bubble if you think that Pastor Glenn and Soph know exactly where we're going to be and what's going to happen and who's going to be a part of that, etc., in 2, 5, 10, 15, 20 years' time. Uh, unfortunately, leadership doesn't really look like that. Leadership truly is the art of making it up as you go along. And so what we want to do is kind of help you uh, see behind the scenes of the decision-making processes on, on why we do things the way we do and what it's like to be just one step ahead of the people who you are leading where they think you know what you're doing, but you actually know you're winging it. So winging it is a positive thing, not a negative thing. And we're going to give you some scripture verses to back this up so you have theological evidence and proof that what we're saying is not just winging it at another level, but there's actually a theological uh, word to underpin exactly what is going on. I'm not clever enough for that. And, uh, and so winging it, that's why we're talking about winging it. Having the confidence and the courage to take the next step, thinking it's God, not 100% sure, but with a sense of going, well, what's the worst that could happen? You ever been in a situation where you need to know what you need to know, but you don't know what you need to know, but you wish you knew what you needed to know in order to make the best decision, in order to be more articulate and intelligent in that decision, but because you don't know what you need to know, you end up winging it. You think you know what you need to know, but you don't really know all the facts until after you've made this decision. Then after you've made the decision, then all the facts come to light. And you think, if I knew all that before, then I wouldn't have made this decision. And I think actually a lot of, a lot of team meetings can look like that. Now, Audacious, our brand is an exclamation mark with an A. There it is right there. And, and we did that as a, as a branding exercise. Audacious. Audacious, bold, daring, dangerous, fearless, unrestrained by convention. Uh, the first time I ever met the Archbishop of Canterbury, he said to me, he said, what's the name of your church? I said, it's called Audacious. He said, that's a bit arrogant, isn't it? I said, says you, the Church of England. <laughs> he said, good point. And I've had lots of people come up to me over the years and say, is Audacious really a word? I'm like, read more. I mean, some of the bloggers, some of the haters of our church really hate the fact that it's in capitals, but the thing that really annoys them is the exclamation mark before the Audacious. And the problem with the exclamation mark before the audacious is it's ruined the English language for me because whenever I read a newspaper article or something online that has the word audacious but doesn't have the exclamation mark before it, my brain says it's spelt wrong. It was a branding exercise. In other words, you could do an exclamation mark with an A. That was enough to kind of brand our church. And we were in a team meeting in the middle of last year. I want to say maybe May or June. It was at my house. It was in the back garden. The sun was shining. And we had some things happen that were confusing. We were trying to work our way around it. We should know what to do, but we didn't know what we needed to do because we didn't have all the facts, all the evidence. And it felt like for hours we were grappling around trying 
trying to make the right decision. We still had no decision. And it had been such an intense conversation that this moment here, a question mark audacious, broke the ice. We started to laugh. And we laugh, I think we laughed for a long, long time that afternoon. And kind of, you know, the, the humour, the lightness, taking out of the, the intensity, and I hate intensity, kind of was enough for us to sit back, relaxed, to, to have, a, have a cup of tea and, uh, and, and make some clear decisions of what we felt like was the right thing to do. We hope it's the right thing to do. But we've learned over the last 12 years that a lot of major decision making is actually what you can actually put down in the moment and call winging it. And I think the reason a lot of you are smiling out there is because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You end up in situations where you think, how did I get here? What decision do I need to make next? And I think, I think it's something that, that, that continually amazes me as you step back for a moment in wonder and realise that the Bible says that God puts His power in jars of clay. Literally, He puts His power in crack pots. This whole idea that, that this, you, are God's plan A. Now, I don't know where you live and I don't know where your church is and I don't know what, what your ministry is comprised of right now, but you are God's plan A. And you almost get a sense where, where the angels in heaven are saying, saying to Jesus, is this it? I mean, you've left all your power and the whole work of discipleship and the gospel in, in this bunch of crack bots. And God's saying, I haven't got a plan B, a plan C or plan D. This is it. God puts His power in jars of clay. And, and, and the reason, the reason we're, we're sharing this theme with you is to let you know, guys, it's okay to, to actually take the burden and the pressure, the, the weight of thinking you need to know everything and do everything and be 100% convinced of everything. I mean, look at Jesus' team. James and John sent their mum to talk to Jesus. Peter cuts ears off people and denies Jesus. One of them betrays him to death. And I think, you know what? If Jesus can have a team like that, then it's okay for your team to sit in meetings, to not have all the answers, to not have it all together, but to end up in a place where even in one of the Scriptures, Acts 15, 28, it seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit. Have you ever meditated on that for a moment? It wasn't 110% sure. No, he had, a, he had Jesus visit him and the mother Mary and the angel Gabriel with a scroll. It wasn't that. It seemed good. And at the end of question mark audacious, at the end of it, with big decisions that we needed to make, you know what? I gotta be honest. We didn't really have a clear word from God, but it seemed good. There's a few verses that I really love, Joshua 3, 4. Then you'll know which way to go since you have never been this way before. And there's something I think for all of us, and we're gonna talk a little bit about it tomorrow, that the familiarity of the past the comfort blanket of the past can hold us back from taking ground in the kingdom of God. But the sense of God leading us into the domain, we've never been here before. Numbers 11 has brought great comfort to me. Moses heard the people 
of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them? I cannot carry around these people by myself. The burden is too heavy. And then he prays this to God. If this is how you're gonna treat me, God, then please go ahead and kill me. This is Moses, the most, the leader of leaders who saw God face to face. He says, if I found favour in your eyes, don't let me come to ruin. I think when you read through Scripture, you get a sense that there's a lot of people in Scripture, normal, average, ordinary Joes and Janes who are kind of walking into territory that never walked before, but truly with a sense of, you know what? It seems good to hold us and the Holy Spirit. Or if you like, we're winging it. Or if you like, we're making it up as we go along. Let me give you three quick points in 14 minutes. Number one is this. I wanna let you know, we're all winging it. We're all winging it. Every single church leader is, is winging it. I was recently speaking at one of the world's Giga churches. So a mega church is a church over 2,000. A giga church has over 10,000. I was in one of the world's giga churches. I'm preaching that day. And during the worship, the pastor of this giga church, he turns to me and he says, he says, what song is this? I said, it's yours. He goes, I hate it. And then he said, do you ever do songs that you hate in your church? I said, well, not really. I'm involved in the, the song selection process. He goes, this is terrible. He said, I can't handle it. He, he goes side of stage. He grabs a mic. He walks on halfway through the song. And he literally, he publicly said this in front of thousands of people. He goes, this is a terrible song. In the mic. He goes, I don't know where the song came from or who, who did it. Well, we should never do this song before. Let's do another song. Is it okay if we do another song, church? And everyone cheered and he walked off. And when he walked off, I thought, we're all winging it. Some of the churches that we see on social media that, that you and I look at, we see through Christian TV, we see through social media with the thousands of people and the arenas and the amazing things. Literally, the majority of the ones that I know, in fact, all of them are one step away from absolute failure. And not because of moral problems, but because when you sit in the room and you talk leadership, talk about what they're doing, talk about their budgets, you realise they're all winging it too. And so I sit in, in leadership kind of conversations with leaders that I look up to and, uh, and they, they espouse great wisdom as you're gonna hear over this. But you're gonna find that the reason Mark is a brilliant speaker at this conference with 30 locations and 12 countries and 30,000 people in his church is because if I'm winging it, we're all winging it. I mean, I mean, in, in our church over the years, we, we have made, we, we've done some clangers. I mean, we, we, we love to do creativity. The, the creativity is part of, I think, the hand of God. You know, the Holy Spirit is, is the, the creative person within the Godhead. And we should be asking the Holy Spirit to guide us in, in our creativity. But in our previous church in Sheffield, my wife and the creative director were running a musical for Easter. People paid money to come to this musical. It was called The Wild Wild West. 
The music looked good. The advertising was great. I'm going to preach to this crowd of unsaved people. And my wife will bear witness to this, that 14 minutes, 1-4, into this musical that unsaved people had paid admission money for, the creative director comes up to me and says, uh, Pastor Glenn, this is the last song. You're up. I said, it's meant to be an hour. What happened? She said, well, we had such a difficult time putting the musical together. We never actually had a, had a full run through and everyone did their pieces a lot quicker than they should have. And so the musical that should have been an hour turned up to be 14 minutes. We nearly got divorced. I mean, we're all winging it. My pastor came into the room. He says, hey guys, got a great idea. What we're gonna do is we're gonna set up a secondhand charity shop in the local community. And the reason we're gonna do it is because people can come and they can leave their clothes and we'll take it. And if we sell it, then we'll give them 90% of the money. We'll keep time 10% of the money and we'll get to know people in the community and things like that. It's gonna be brilliant. And we're gonna call this secondhand charity shop Mega Babe. And all of us went, bad name, mega babe. There's, there's sorts of connotations there. Pastor Dave, we don't think that's a good name. And the more he kind of tried to convince us, the more the executive team said, it's not a great name. But anyway, it turned out we went on holidays and two weeks later, we had a community shop in the local community called Mega Babe. Mega Babe stayed open for two years. We put it down to abject failure. Nobody wanted to be seen going into mega babe. A few years ago, I had a great idea. Let's do a two o'clock Sunday afternoon service. Sunday mornings before, we couldn't really fit any more people in with the breakout rooms that we had at the time. Let's do a two o'clock service. So we'll do a 10 o'clock, a 12 o'clock, a, a two o'clock, and then we'll do a 5.30. That seemed easy, because in our last building, we used to do five services on a Sunday. And, and we said to the church, hey church, great news, we're gonna do a two o'clock service. And people went, yeah, like that. And the first week was awesome. And the second week was not as awesome. And the third week, I swear, I came into church and I heard the Holy Spirit say, you're on your own, son. I'm off for a latte. As tumbleweed blew through the room at two o'clock in this room, two o'clock on the afternoon. And after about six or seven weeks, I got up in church and I said, hey, church, just to let you know, um, are you enjoying the two o'clock service? There was a full auditorium in the 10 and 12. And nobody put their hand up. Thinking about cancelling. Anyone have a problem if we cancel two o'clock service? No? Okay. Consider it cancelled. <laughs> now you could call that bad planning, planning if you want. I, I call it in an Australianism, having a go your mug. One of us had the idea of doing Saturday night church. That was the worst thing ever. Saturday night church was, was an absolute disaster. Napoleon Hill said this, most great people have attained their greatest success just one stop, step beyond their greatest failure. And I think the danger in church leadership is this, is that we, we, we feel like we have to be 100% convinced in order to have the buy-in of the amazing people in our congregations in order to do something. And then when we try something and it doesn't work, now we're embarrassed, 
And now we end up in church life where no longer are we prepared to try, to try things because we've fallen into the trap of actually thinking we have to know everything. But sometimes you don't know until you need to know. And sometimes you know too late. And so we stay in a comfort zone where no longer are we pressing the bounds of, of, our, of our budget and our people skills and, and our capacity because we've lost the ability of just winging it. Every single one of you church pioneers. I'm sure that most of you at some point had a sense in God, we've got to pioneer a church. But from that point, there's a lot of winging it. You rock up at church, wherever church is, you set up a PA system of sorts, you put out five chairs and you hope someone's gonna come up. And someone's, I wanna encourage you, don't lose the art of wing it. We are all wing it. Number two, leadership is both art and science. Leadership is both art and science. And when I speak about science, science is a mathematical and formulaic principle that produces empirical results time and again. That's what science is. It's the same results, it's formulas, it, it's, it's, it's principles that, that bring the same thing. And I believe that as leaders, we need to know the science of church. And there is a science associated with leading church. There is a science to the way you lay out your chairs on a Sunday. There's a science to that. We fall into the trap. Oh, be, be careful. There is a science to the atmosphere of the room. There is a science to the way the stage looks. We, we, we had a season where we had a, a, a runway in here that, and people sat around, it was fantastic, but we found that people in church were getting tired on Sundays and the reason is this, is because people were sitting over there with sound coming from their ears that way. They were looking at the stage there and looking there and, and, and the brain could not keep up with the amount of information that was happening. People didn't know where to look and so over a space of three months, we ended up with a tired church because there was a science in seating. Personally, I, I don't like it when there's a, a center aisle in a church because as a preacher, I, I wanna be with people, I wanna see people. Now I understand why people have, have, have center aisles, uh, but in this church, you're never gonna find a center aisle because I, I, I wanna be with people, I want people to be with the communicators, etc., etc. There is a science to budgeting. There's a science to, to the rhythm of, of, of your budgets and, and the way finances work. There's a science to getting people in the doors, to, to, to retention, to meeting dynamics, to flow and things like that. But it's also, leadership is not just science, it's also art. There's an art to it. There's an art. You, you need to understand the art. Because the thing is this, you can go to a church and copy what they do and how many churches exist in our nation, in Britain, that, that are copies of another church, karaoke church, that they have, they have elements of the science, but there's no growth. There's no increase, there's no discipleship. Why is that? Because we've created, we've created karaoke church that knows science, but what about the art? The X factor. The, the anointing. The things that when that leader, that, that, that worship leader, that preacher, that, that life group leader begins to speak, things begin to pop on your spirit. Some things are resonate. Some things are offensive. You don't know why, but things begin to happen. Leadership is both science and art. Now, if you have church that is just science, you're gonna have a boring church that's not gonna grow. 
and not going to have connection. If you have a church that's all art, but have no science and mechanism and systems to uphold it, there won't be sustainable growth, which is why together as leaders, we should be understanding both leadership as a science and leadership as art. I really believe that art comes in the presence of God. Understanding the art of leadership is birthed not in a book, not in a conference session, but it's actually birthed for you as a leader in the presence of God, where God begins to put His hand upon you in such a way that you are, you are marked, you are changed. And so, so you're not doing a copy of another church, in other words, copying their science. You look at the elements at work, but with the art of the hand of God upon your life, you're able to identify this is who we are, this is our DNA, this is our culture, this is the way we should work. So leadership is both science and art. And the last thing, the third thing is this, is that wingers are okay being spirit-led in hindsight. Because we all want the foresight, but how many of you know, more often than not, the hand of God is proven through looking back. Oh, that's what you were doing. I did an interview in the studio a moment ago with um, Zibi Magda. Zibi made an, an, an amazing comment. He, he, talked, he talked to the cameras. He talked about divine accidents. Divine accidents that lead to small steps. And then 10 years later, he now walks the corridors of power in Krakow, i.e. Parliament, where in Parliament in a Catholic country, they call him Pastor Zibi, the politicians. Not only that, but, but this week have agreed, have been invited by the government of Krakow, Krakow to partner with them in a citywide festival, a non-Catholic Christian church to partner with them in delivery mechanisms for community impact. It's happened in 10 years. How does that happen? I said, Zibi, how did that happen? He said, I'll tell you how it happened. There was a divine accident, a conversation in a square 11 years ago. We should start a church here one day. Little steps, big budgeting problems, lots of personnel problems, lots of stab marks in the back. And 10 years later, That's what you were doing, God. And it's the difference between your decision mechanisms being based on a red light or a green light system. And we made a decision 12 years ago as a, as a local ministry that what we were going to do is we're going to operate on a green light system. That everything is yes, unless God says no. Now, God can say no in lots of different ways. And there are lots of different ways that He does it. And that's a whole other session for a whole other time. But it is very rare that I call my senior leadership team for a, for a time of prayer and fasting on key decisions because we've just discovered that actually the God of heaven and earth has got the ability to stop anything from coming our way, from, from, from intercepting an opportunity. He's brilliant at actually uh, removing people from, from the mix that complicates things. And so, but even recently in November, I, I Sophie and I called the team together and said, guys, we need a three, four days of prayer and fasting because this is so big. The implications of this are so huge. Let's pray and fast because that's what spiritual men and women of God do. 
And do you know what we felt from God at the end of three days? Nothing. <laughs> and we talked. And we're trying, to see, we're trying to see signs in the stars. Did you have a dream? Did you burp in tune with any worship song that we can maybe look at the lyrics to? We had nothing. And so what we did is this. We went... And we went, I, I rang all my confidants. Hey, this, this opportunity's come our way. And I'm praying, please, Pastor Russell, say stupid idea, Glenn. He's gone, that's fantastic. That's not what I want to hear. You see, I think you know the hand of God upon you, your church, your leadership, through connecting the dots. When you look back and you see how God connects the dots, you begin to realize, oh, that's where you're taking us. But friends, I want to encourage you that your car needs you to move before Satanav finds you and can direct you the right way. So please, with whatever situation you're facing right now, don't sit and wait. Get up and start to move. Welcome to leadership, the master art of winging it. Thank you for listening to this Glenn Barrett Leadership Podcast. For more information, visit us online at audaciouschurch.com.